Livermore podcast. We hope you'll enjoy this message by Pastor Joshua Harris. Why are we meditating on God's word? Why are you listening to this feed? Why are you spending time seeking God in his word? Uh, For me, Jesus explains a beautiful reason why in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Now, I want to warn that doesn't mean life to the easy. It doesn't mean life to the convenient. Life to the full means an overflowing sense of purpose, uh, God's presence, uh, the joy, the peace, the love that comes from walking in his kingdom. Uh, God's kingdom is described as righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That kind of fullness is the life God offers us as we follow Jesus. Now, that life comes with a lot of tests. And every time I see these Scantron documents, that's what we used to call them, uh, and having to fill out my little bubbles kind of gets stressful right in here. It doesn't feel like life to the full. It feels like life to the fearful. Uh, As I think about tests and getting ready for tests and realizing, in my case, I probably didn't study hard enough for my test. And so tests are not always enjoyable, and particularly tests we didn't know were coming. Uh, But the truth is life has a lot of tests. And if we're willing to embrace that, we're willing to, to, by God's grace, pass the test, we're going to be able to walk into all the great things God has for us. There's a great story of that in the Old Testament where uh, the children of Israel are brought out of slavery in Egypt. They're brought through a wilderness, and they're right on the edge of this thing called the promised land, their place, their promise, their inheritance. But they're unable to go in because they failed the tests of seeing by God's Spirit. There was one guy that was different, and actually two eventually, Joshua and Caleb. But in this case, he's talking about Caleb, and it says, because my servant Caleb has a different spirit. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. God can give us a different spirit, that spirit that enables us to follow him wholeheartedly. It says if we do that, he will bring us into the land and his descendants will inherit it. There's a promise that as we spiritually trust God, as we allow him to give us a new spirit and we walk by faith in that, that God can empower us to enter our promises and it even blesses the generations. Now, what does that have to do with you and I? We weren't there Uh, 1,800 years ago, whatever it was. Uh, What about our lives right now? Actually, much longer than 1,800 years ago, way longer than that. Uh, But we weren't there. So where are we now? Uh, In Acts chapter 2, Peter says that same spirit can come to us through Jesus. Says this, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And the promise as we receive Jesus, sort of like Jesus took the test for us, right? He lived the life we were supposed to live but couldn't. He died the death I deserved to die in my place. He rose from the dead to show me he could give me new life. And you, he can give you new life. If we believe that, he forgives our sins and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's that different spirit, that new spirit that empowers you to live differently. Well, last week we talked about that and how that new spirit relates to our relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, when I read this again this week, I thought, wow, do I think like Jesus in my relationships? How does Jesus think? Well, it goes on to tell us. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Relationships aren't to be used for our own advantage. Authority is not to be used for our own advantage. Power is not to be used for our own advantage. He's the very nature of God. It's not for his advantage. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. So in our relationships, we act like servants. Being made in human likeness, being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
because of that, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord. So because Jesus went low, God brought him high. Now here's what's interesting. Both spiritually and relationally, Jesus did all that to the glory of God the Father. That his purpose wasn't even so, hey, I'll humble myself so I can be raised high. I'll be a servant so I'll be made great. Jesus's perspective was, I'll do all these things to ultimately glorify God. Which is interesting, the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, the chief end of man, in other words, why am I here? Have you ever asked that question? Why am I on earth? What's my purpose? Why should I live? They summarize our purpose in these two statements. The chief end of man or the chief reason for our existence, all humanity, glorify God and enjoy him forever. I like John Piper and some others have said, glorify God by enjoying him forever. But if we put those two things together, our life is to be lived to the full. It's when it glorifies God and when we enjoy the journey with him as we glorify him. Now, I want to tell a story or share a story of a guy in the Bible who went through a lot of tests and the spiritual and the relational met the circumstantial and physical. And his name was Daniel. Uh, He has a whole book and let's read from it. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, these are the names, not as many people naming their kids Nebuchadnezzar anymore. I'm not sure why, but anyway, king of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, into their hands, along with the articles from the temple of God. He carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Now that should throw us off because generally the whole idea of gods back then is when wars happened, whichever nation won the war, that was to show their God was the strongest God. So if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about the 10 plagues that came and and, uh, God uh, poured out these plagues on Egypt to, to compel them to allow the children of Israel to be set free from slavery. When he did this, each plague was demonstrating that he was a God that was stronger than a specific God of the Egyptians. So he was showing he's the highest God. Well, now his people have been defeated. It kind of looks like he's not the strongest God anymore in a way, but he was still the author of this journey. Now, how did Daniel know that? The only way he knew it was by faith because he ends up being taken as a slave to Babylon. The king ordered this guy Ashpenaz, uh, chief of his court officials, to bring uh, into the king's service. In other words, get some of these guys to work for me. Some of the Israelites from the royal family nobility, which people? Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing out. I feel like it's talking about me all of a sudden. Mike, Mike behind the camera and I, this is us. Young men, no physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude of every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand. I like all this. And qualified, it's not really me, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So now a new test. One, you got to measure up to this new standard in this new culture and these new learnings. And now he has to wrestle with his own journey through that. These guys were chosen, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Uh, Chief official gives them new names. So think about this. Names, particularly in that time in history, names are often connected to identity. So the name Daniel, for example, it means God is my judge. And so this is a wrestling match where you've been entered into a new kingdom to serve. You've been entered into a new culture. Now you've got to wrestle with your identity. Daniel makes a resolution. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So what happened is they're offering him food now, but his culture, 
his religious beliefs, it's an honor before God how he eats. He cannot eat the things he's being offered. Now, how did he strengthen his soul in such a way that he was able to make this decision? And I'm reminded of a New Testament real short, simple verse that says we live by faith, not by sight. If Daniel was looking at sight, hey, these Babylonians have taken over. We're their servants now. They're in charge. We got to learn their language. We got to have their customs. We got to act like them, talk like them. They're probably the ones in charge, not us. What Daniel decides by faith is, despite this happening, he remembers prophet Isaiah. Others had prophesied this exact thing was going to happen. And so therefore, he saw by faith that even though currently they had been taken over and they were slaves, there's still a God in Israel. God is still in charge. God is still sovereign. And therefore, I still need to obey him with my whole life, even in a difficult circumstance. You know, I've heard a lot of guys, hey, in my business, you can't act like a Christian. In order to make business deals, I've got to act this way. In order to get this done, I've got to take these guys to these places and these parties and these kind of events. What's interesting is over years and years and years, I've found that that perception is very rarely true. In fact, I've never found it to be actually true. Oh, we've got to make these compromising deals. Eventually, you get found out for being a compromiser. I have a very close friend who twice got fired for refusal to pay bribes, do other things like that. Uh, He had a whole company uh, that actually ended up getting shut down because of their refusal to act in corrupt and in unjust ways. What's interesting about that is over the years, that same guy has had at least two businesses where people invested heavily simply because that man's name was on the project. Because a good name is more valuable than gold. And what faith in God teaches us is, hey, in the short term, I might have a difficult work situation. In the short term, this might be hard physically when God tells me to stop eating things that are unhealthy for me or stop watching things that are unhealthy for me. Uh, Some of you who know me personally know I'm having this battle with video games. As a 47-year-old man, God's telling me, stop playing video games. And and by his grace, I'm trying to do that and continue to do that. So please continue to pray for me uh, with that. Why? Because there's certain physical choices that, and that's not the same for everybody. There's older guys than me who love video games. Totally fine. But for me, it was a faith choice to recognize if I'm going to do the things God needs me to do, I'm going to have to make some spiritual, relational, physical, and financial changes to the way I live in order to live out the life God desires me to live. How do you do that? By faith, you got to believe it's going to happen. So back to Daniel. God had caused this official to show favor to him and compassion. Uh, But the official told Daniel, hey, I'm afraid of my Lord. So think about this practically. Daniel might have a conviction, but the guy, his supervisor, the guy in charge of him, doesn't have the same conviction. And he goes, what if you look worse? Now they're going to come after me. Now I'm going to lose my job. I love how God can give practical wisdom in a difficult situation. Daniel gets this idea, says to the guard, look, do this. Test your servants for 10 days. Give me 10 days. There's that number 10 again. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. I might make the vegetables for 10 days. I don't know about the water only with no coffee for 10 days, but we'll pray about that later. But here's Daniel making this choice. And then he says this, then compare us with the other ones. And then we'll do whatever you think's best. So he agrees to test them again for these 10 days. I thought that was such amazing wisdom. You know, God can grant wisdom in difficult situations. Sometimes we think it's an either or. Either I need to eat the food that I don't want to eat, or I make this stand even at the expense of everyone around me. And God gives them this wisdom of, hey, let's try it for 10 days and see what happens. At the end of 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. 
So the guard took away their choice food and wine. They were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. I know some of us are like, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Vegetables, man. But, but good vegetables. Let's trust it was good vegetables. Ultimately, what this showed is trusting in God can turn the vegetables into the choice food. They were getting stronger, healthier, better by honoring God than just doing something in the natural that sounds good to us. You know, sometimes we assume natural and practical wisdom somehow supersedes God's supernatural wisdom. It doesn't. Now, that doesn't mean we ignore natural means. When, when I see people falling sick and getting exhausted, one of my tips is rest. And sometimes if you really dig deep, hey, I'm not sleeping, I'm not uh, handling, you know, you get home from work and all of a sudden it's Netflix till three in the morning instead of a time where you could really rest your body, rest your soul, rest your mind. And so practically speaking, there is practical wisdom we want to honor. But here we see when we choose to say yes to God, he shows up and gives us grace beyond natural means. To these four young men, God gave on top of the practical, healthy, physical appearance, God gave knowledge, understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel now gets supernatural understanding of visions and dreams of all kinds. That's going to be important. As good as Daniel is and as hard as he works and as well as he is and trained and smart and all these things, he's going to need, and we're going to find out in a little bit, how much he's going to need supernatural wisdom that goes beyond his own ability. Now, the king comes and talks to these guys, and he finds no one like them, no one like Daniel, no one like Hananiah, no one like Mishael, no one like Azariah. So they enter into the king's service. So they become, they kind of graduated top honors, right? These are the honor roll students. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them 10 times better than all his magicians, enchanters, in the whole kingdom. The word magician there, magi, so if you think about the magi like we hear sometimes around Christmas time, it's the idea of wise men who know both spiritual and, and natural and scientific uh, wisdom. So it would be the intellectual group of the time. And he says these guys are 10 times better than any of them. Why is this going to be so important? Daniel's 10-day test set him up for a lifetime of supernatural tests that again and again and again he would face. The next half of the book of Daniel is he and his friends again and again and again facing death without the grace of God or without the faith of God or without the empowerment of God doing a supernatural miracle for them. So they needed to be 10 times better. They needed to know they could trust God. They needed to know that faith actually is powerful practically in my day-to-day -day life. So let me give you some examples. Second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. His mind was troubled. He couldn't sleep. So he calls these guys. And this is what he tells them. Very interesting. Okay. Tell me what I dreamed. So when they came in, stood before him, they were like, okay, well, you've had this dream and, and you don't know what it means. So they say, may the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream so we can interpret it. He replies, this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was. So he doesn't even tell him what the dream is. You have to tell me what the dream is and interpret it, or I will have you cut in pieces and your houses turned to piles of rubble. Now, this is stressful because no king has ever asked that, right? And the truth is, if you tell somebody a dream, we can kind of make up a reasoning for it, right? Oh, I had this dream that crackers fell out of heaven. Oh, because God's word comes down. We can start making up something no matter what you said. In this case, they don't even know the dream, so they have no way to interpret because they have no idea what he's talking about. They need supernatural wisdom, not practical wisdom, not wise financial planning, not wise physical health planning. They need a miracle. What does Daniel do? He gets his friends together in fellowship and they pray together. The reason we talk about pray, meditate, proclaim fellowship is not because we're bored or don't have anything good to do or need a catchy 
title or catchy letters or something. It's because this is how life works. When you get in a stuck situation, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to go, I don't know what to do. He gathers his friends and they seek the one person that does have wisdom. They seek God together and God shows up. And God gives Daniel the interpretation. So he goes to the king. Well, not, not just the interpretation. He gives him the dream and the interpretation. Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dreams and interpret it? The king asked Daniel. Daniel's reply is so powerful. No wise man, no enchanter, no magician, no diviner, nobody can explain to the king the mystery he's asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. I love how both Joseph last week and Daniel this week made the choice in their moment where they could say, I am the greatest magi of them all. I am the greatest wise man. I do know the dream and the interpretation. Rather than position themselves or honor themselves or exalt themselves, they leveraged the test to honor God. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. So he tells them this story, okay, you're the king, you're the gold head of this thing, and then there's a silver chest, and then there's a bronze, and iron, and then iron and clay, and this rock comes and smashes it. And he interprets this, and these are actually historical kingdoms that he's tracking all the way through to the Roman Empire. And he's explaining this dream through the journey of history, that this dream is picturing history playing out before Nebuchadnezzar. This is what's so beautiful about that. Listen to the pagan king's response to someone who fully trusts God with their life, who trusts God in the test, who seeks God in the tests. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. Do you know that one of Nebuchadnezzar's titles was king of kings because he was the king who ruled all the other kings in the area? Now that king is saying, I'm not the king. You're the God of gods. You're the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. Your God is the one for you were able to reveal this mystery. Well, we go to the next chapter, what happens? Builds a big statue of himself. Everybody worship the statue. Now a new test. There's no compromise. There's no, hey, can we try it for 10 days? Can we try this for 10 days? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel have to make a choice. Are we gonna bow down to this thing or not? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are caught refusing to bow because there's only one God and there's only one we worship. So they're thrown into this fire, right? And the fire is seven times hotter than it's supposed to be. The people throwing them in the fire die because of the heat. And yet there they are in it. And the king looks in and goes, didn't we throw three people in there? How come there are four? And the fourth one looks like a son of man or a son of God. Jesus walking with these men in the fire. They come out and not even their clothes or their hair are singed or burned. They don't even smell the fire. You can walk through the darkest, hottest, hardest place in the world if Jesus is with you, he can bring you free, bring you through uninjured, unharmed. Again and again and again in Daniel, you see him make statements, unharmed, unharmed, unharmed. Now, sometimes do we get some singeing through the journey? Yeah, sometimes we do. In this case, God shows up and says, supernaturally, I'm going to bring you through an impossible situation and not even get burned. So what does Nebuchadnezzar say? Praise be to God, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel and rescued his servants. I love what it says here. They trusted in him and, def and defied the king's command. He's saying they defied my command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. There is huge power in being willing to lay your life down. We overcome him by the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, and loving not our lives even to the death. Now, in their case, they got through. The truth is, in history, and you can read Hebrews 11, you can read the history of the church and know sometimes people went through not even burned, sometimes people got burned, sometimes people got murdered, uh, martyred, 
well, and murdered. The truth of the matter is sometimes we do get persecuted. Sometimes we do lose jobs. Sometimes we do lose opportunities. Sometimes we are persecuted physically, financially, emotionally, relationally. Yet here's the truth. It stands out to the entire world when someone's willing to give up their life rather than serve or worship any God except the true God. That's their testimony, and that's their testimony for all time. Therefore, I decree that the people in any nation who say anything against this God will be cut into pieces and their houses turned to pile of rubble. Now, that's probably not the best way to honor God is just kill everybody. But I love the passion of even this pagan king to say there is no other God who can save like this God. I'll give you one more story from Daniel, and then we'll close together in time of communion. Probably if you grew up in kids' church or around church stuff, you may have heard of Daniel in the lion's den. He's actually thrown in here basically because the king gets tricked into, into making this law that no one can pray to any god for this certain amount of time. And of course, Daniel's still going to do his thing. He's still going to pray. Prayer is what's carried him through his whole life. He's not going to stop now. So he gets thrown into the lion's den, but the king doesn't even want to do it. He just didn't have a way out. So the king runs to him early in the morning. He's looking at him. Daniel, are you okay? Okay. And Daniel, yes, I'm okay and I'm here. And so the king makes this statement and he writes a letter and sends it to everybody in the earth. The king Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. I think as every nation, churches, we get excited about when we hear all the nations, every people, every language, all the earth. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. Why? He is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Two pagan kings, three different occasions, sharing and testifying, God is good and there's none like him. That's what happens when we carry our tests through to their end. God, our tests become testimonies that God is good. Let me summarize what I said. We have a new reality we face sometimes. In the case of Daniel, he's going to a new kingdom to serve, a new country, a new place. He doesn't have the power dynamic has shifted. He's not in charge. They're in charge. It's a new culture to learn. You're in a new place. I mean, those of us who have moved to different countries, I've spent the last 18 years in, in Asia, and you have to understand things don't work the same way they did where you grew up. And learning that can be a challenge and a test. But if you find those new tests and face them well, you face them by faith in God. And if you do that, good things happen from that. Faith in God can help you change the culture. Now, not saying everything's wrong with the culture, but a culture that's worshiping a different God can now turn and see there's a new option. There's a new God to worship who does answer prayer, who does reveal secrets, who does have wisdom, who does have power to protect and serve. That same faith can give you wisdom and knowledge. I love how Daniel, by faith, gets this idea. Hey, give us 10 days. Give us a trial run and see how you like it. Free trial, 10 days. And then it makes you 10 times better than the others. Now, not that we're trying to beat others, but in this case, Daniel and his friends are able to shine 10 times brighter because God's power and God's light is on you. The truth is I'm not 10 times better than anybody. But when God hits you, God's made me 10 times, 10 times, 10 thousands of thousands better than I was. The better then is my old self because even to give some grace, you know, it's funny, sometimes people will tell me, hey, you got wisdom. And it always makes me laugh when I hear someone tell me I'm so wise or I have wisdom and I'm not so wise, but I'm just saying like sometimes I'll hear these things and I'm thinking, man, if anybody who knew me when I was a teenager or I was in college heard anyone refer to me as wise, they would think it's the funniest thing they'd ever heard in their lives. 
But when the grace of God hits you, you can be 10 times, 10 times 10,000 better than you are now. Why? Because ultimately God's grace, God's power, God's supernatural wisdom is flowing through you and he's glorified through your life. His power and wisdom are displayed. That's supernatural. That's infinitely better power and wisdom. His deliverance and protection are revealed. Daniel is sitting in a den of hungry lions. It said he didn't even have a scratch on him when they lifted him out. Ultimately, his name is honored in the nations. Your life can now be a light that shines to every single person, anywhere, anytime, all the time, through his grace and through faith in his name. And that's why I want to close by taking communion together. Uh, One of the ways that we honor God is recognize we need your help. How do I have faith? I have faith that Jesus really did live a perfect life. And he really did get wounded, tortured, and eventually die on my behalf. His body was broken so that my body could be made whole. Three days later, he rose from the dead to show he'd conquered death, conquered hell, conquered my sin, my shame, my guilt, and he could offer not only forgiveness, but this Holy Spirit could come upon you to give you a new life and a new chance to live in a way that would really honor God. As we take the cup, we're reminded our sins are forgiven and we have a new covenant or new commitment relationship with God that he seals, that he holds us, and that makes me feel really good because it's about him and not about me. So have a great week. Take communion in your own time. I please, I encourage you, take some time with God and say, hey, whatever test I'm going through in this season, God, give me your wisdom. God, give me your power. God, give me your presence. And as he does that in your life, your life will glorify God this week. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Every Nation Singapore podcast. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. For more information, visit everynation.org.sg.